Welcome to a very special edition of the Trojan Talk podcast, a very focused edition as we are reacting in real time to the huge news of today, Monday, four-star top 100 overall prospect, Bishop Alamany quarterback Miller Moss commits to USC, becoming the second four-star top 100 quarterback prospect to join this Trojans class, along with Jake Garcia, the La Habra quarterback who committed back in the fall. Very rare for a program to get two quarterbacks the caliber of Moss and Garcia. Garcia is ranked the number three pro-style quarterback in this 2021 class. Number 25 national prospect. Miller Moss is the number seven pro-style quarterback in this class. But as you'll hear later in the podcast as we bring on Rivals West Coast recruiting analyst Adam Gorney, there's really not much separation between the two of them. Uh, two very talented, very high-ceiling, high-potential guys will come in and, and kind of compete to see who is the future of this program at the position. And why did USC need to sign two top 10 national quarterbacks? It's really a great opportunity for both guys as the depth chart is clearing out quickly. USC only has two scholarship quarterbacks entering this 2020 season. Obviously, the incumbent starter, Keaton Slovis, a sophomore, and redshirt senior Matt Fink, who will be gone before either of these guys get to campus. So they'll walk in, and they'll be, be Slovis, and they'll be Moss and Garcia competing, most likely for the number two job, and, but really for positioning for who's going to succeed Keaton Slovis when he leaves. So we have a great show. If you didn't already know, I'm Ryan Young with Trojansports.com, as always. And I thought, what better way to bring you perspective and insight into this huge news than to let you hear from the man himself. So Miller Moss was gracious enough to join us and give us a lot of time. We talked for like a half hour covering every angle of his decision, his recruitment, the the Jake Garcia competition component. He had great answers for everything. If you haven't heard Miller Moss do interviews before, he's a very thoughtful, very uh, interesting, insightful, and engaging interview. I always enjoy talking to him, and this was a great one as we covered pretty much every question or angle that you would want covered. Then, as noted, after that, I bring in Adam Gorney, our Rivals West Coast recruiting analyst, to break down his reaction to this decision, a comparison to the last time he can recall a program landing two QBs of this caliber in the same class, his comparison of Moss and Garcia, and we also get into the the JT Daniels transfer news that came out last week as former five-star QB and former USC starter JT Daniels announced end of last week he's transferring to Georgia, and that's why the depth chart is so open. That's why it was so important to bring both these guys in because he's not going to be around anymore to compete. Keaton Slovis took that job, and now it's the Trojans hope that he can stay healthy and get through the season. But moving forward, they had to replenish and, and get the next wave in, and they do that, assuming that these commitments hold with Garcia and Moss. So I don't want to do too much more at the top here because the interviews are so good. I will just tell you real quickly that this is not going to be the only USC recruiting news this week, or it's not expected to be at least. There's a lot of good buzz that there could be – a lot more action coming down the pike. So if you're not subscribed to Trojansports.com, get on board with us. We are talking about the week ahead on the message board. We are giving you some insight as to what to expect or when to expect some news. And we will have, obviously, Miller Moss's commitment covered from all angles with a 
bunch of stories and breakdowns and everything. So the, the podcast is one component. The stories on the site are another component. And we always try and give our subscribers uh, more than they get anywhere else or unique things they can't get anywhere else. So join Trojansports.com and enjoy this podcast. We'll get right to it. All right. Huge news today as four-star quarterback, Rivals 100 prospect, Miller Moss of Bishop Alamany High School commits to USC, becomes the second four-star quarterback to join this USC class. And we are joined by Miller right now. I'm going to let you hear from him directly about his decision, what went into it. Miller, thanks for doing this, and how are you? Definitely, no. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. You know, I'm really, really happy with my decision. I'm just excited to get to work with the, the whole Trojan family. Well, first of all, congratulations. I know this is going to be really exciting news for USC fans because the QB depth chart as it stands really needed two quarterbacks in this class, but it can be hard to get two guys of the caliber of you and Jake Garcia on board together. We'll get into that later, but I just want to start with your decision. Why was now the right time, and how did you get to the end of this process? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's any secret that my recruiting process, especially for a quarterback, went on longer than what the norm typically is and it truly was a hard decision but given those hard decisions and those hard choices I still am 100% at peace with my decision and I'm happy with it. There were so many different factors that went into choosing a school and I felt like each of my final four schools provided unique things that were specific to that school that provided me with a great opportunity. At the end of the day I just USC has always been home for me and it wasn't really something tangible it's more of a feeling that you get just because there's so many great options, but there's a feeling you get when you're you're at a at a facility when you try on a uniform and this this just feels right. You're sitting in you're sitting in the coliseum in front of ninety thousand people and you're like, this is this is truly where I want to be. This is what's going to make me happy. That's awesome. And you mentioned your other finalist. It was UCLA, LSU, and Alabama. You mentioned it being a hard decision in a way. What factor made it tough for you? I would just say I'm someone who's interested in a multitude of things so if this was purely a football decision it's easy to cut out certain schools it's easy to cut out maybe ucla in that situation if this is purely an academic decision it's easy to cut out alabama or lsu you know what i mean so there's a multitude of things that went into my college decision that i don't think go into every recruiter athlete's decision i think because i had so many things that i was looking for in a school it was hard for me to, to ultimately pick one, but like I said, I'm completely at peace with it, and I, I truly feel that USC is the place for me, and I couldn't be more excited to get to work there. Take us through the moment when you called Graham Harrell or Clay Helton or whoever it was and and let them know that this is your final decision and what their reaction was. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was really special. It was definitely, like, it was, I mean, like, I'm an 18-year-old kid, but it was, a, it was an emotional thing for me just because um, I was truly, truly happy with the decision I made. Um, I ended up, it was on, I was on FaceTime with Coach Helton, me and my mom. Um, I just let him know, like, Coach, I, it's really in my heart that I want to be a Trojan. He was, I mean, he was obviously pretty, pretty happy about it, which was cool for me to see. And then the whole staff, the whole staff ended up reaching out to me, which was pretty special over the next hour or so. But yeah, I mean, I just, I felt like USC genuinely wanted me and wanted me and needed me to be a part of their program, which was a huge thing for me in the process. And it was, it was a really special moment. It's something that I'll remember. I'll remember where I was sitting in my room, sitting at my desk with my computer. Like I, It's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And 
just kind of running around my house playing the USC fight song on the speaker for like the next hour or whatever it was. So um, it was something. It was a really, really special moment and one that that will be special for me for a very long time. You mentioned them making you feel like they needed you, and, and, and they do. That, like I said, they needed two quarterbacks, and there really wasn't anyone else we were hearing buzz about. It was really, can they get Miller Moss to commit to this class? Like You were kind of the guy, and if it didn't happen, I don't know what direction they would have gone. So that's why it is huge news for USC. At what point did you just kind of know in your head that this was going to be the outcome? Uh, for, for how long have you kind of felt, you know what, I'm not quite there yet, but this is probably where it's going? Yeah, I mean, I would say the last month or so is definitely something that I was leaning towards. Um, the troubling, or I wouldn't say troubling, but the difficult thing with the process is you're in contact with these schools so often, especially during coronavirus. So you get off the phone with, with Coach Harrell and Coach Helton, and you're like, this is the place I want to be, like I know in my heart. And then you talk to someone like Coach Saban or Coach, Edo, Coach O, and like they're really, really good at what they do. You know what I mean? So there's... For a while, or I would say for for a couple weeks, there was still that, well, I don't want to lose out on opportunities, stuff like that. But um, when I really sat down and sat with, with myself and my family and my thoughts and kind of put all that, that extra noise out the window, just kind of the flash that comes with recruitment, stuff that isn't really of meaning, but still make, but is meant to make you feel good and make you feel one and at a school, USC was really, really the place for me. How much did the Trojans' recruiting momentum impact you? It's It's been a much different class this year than last year. They've been in the top five at various points, and they're getting a lot of local guys, guys you know, guys you played with on different circuits. Uh, how much did, did that kind of maybe make this an easier decision in some ways? Yeah, I wouldn't say it, it was a huge factor in my decision, but it is absolutely a huge factor for me going forward now trying to recruit this class. I think it has the chance to be a top two or three class in the country, no question. So it's going to be a really, really special group, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. And I think that that now that responsibility falls upon me as being a quarterback committed in this class to build the class and make it the best possible class I can be so I can lead this team to do what I want it to do in the future. And you know, this is kind of along the same lines, but I'm just kind of curious about what it was like for you to see some of your Bishop Alamany teammates commit to USC. Obviously, uh, 2022 outside linebacker junior Twi Halamaka committed back in the fall, but then last week we had Cy. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Mapaka Tolo, offensive lineman. Uh, yeah, I just call him because I. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's huge. I mean I have a lot of love for those guys. They're great players, and I would say them and kind of extending to when you grow up playing youth ball in, in LA and you play seven on seven and you play on the circuit, you're friends and you, you get to be pretty close and build a lot of bonds and friendships with the guys in the area. So regardless of what school they go to, I mean, a lot of us play on premium together and stuff like that. Um, I've grown close with a lot of guys that USC has committed and that they're continuing to recruit. So I think it's a really, really special opportunity when you can go um, and played a really, really high level in college with guys that you grew up playing ball with. What's really cool is that, you know, kind of the, the jumping off point for this class was that the junior day back in, in the January, right before National Signing Day, and I remember you had told me that one of the major messages there from Clay Helton was, look to your left, look to your right, and what if you all did this together? And that's happened to a large degree. A lot of guys who were there that day have committed. Have you thought back to that moment and just kind of how it's kind of coming to fruition in a way? 
No, absolutely. I mean, I kind of get chills even when you say that, just because, like, it is a truly special opportunity. And I think kids that grew up in L.A. watching Pete Carroll and watching Matt Barkley and Mark Sanchez win Rose Bowls and national championships, they know how special it is and what a unique opportunity it is to be able to play in the Coliseum on a national stage. And I think, obviously, USC is a national program. They recruit the whole country. But for L.A. kids, it is to make USC the to make USC the program that it is and that it should be is is an opportunity that's really, really difficult to say no to. And I think that has 100% started to come to fruition, and I think that it'll just continue to. I mean, Coach Orlando's done a great job on the defensive side, and I obviously have 100% confidence in Coach Harrell um, on the offensive side of recruiting. Who were some of the, the present commits who were most aggressive in staying in your ear and, and trying to get you to this point? Yeah, yeah, I mean – Honestly, um, a lot of the guys were are silently committed, so uh, I don't want to put that out there yet. But sure. it was, um, I don't know, I mean, Tone, Anthony Beavers, obviously huge just because I've known him for so long. And then just different kids growing up in L.A., I think just having that dialogue of let's go do this together was was really a message that, that spoke to me and was something that I think is really, really special as an opportunity. This is a little redundant, but but I want to focus this question a little more specifically. You grew up a USC fan, and when I talked to you about a month ago, you said, you know, I got I got to not let that be the biggest factor. I've got to make the right decision for me from a football standpoint. But ultimately, how hard was it to overlook the fact that this is a program I grew up rooting for, and now I have a chance to help make it special again? Right. I mean, it's it's a surreal opportunity for me. Like, even I can't still fully wrap my head around it. Like, I grew up, like, going to the park wearing Matt Barkley jerseys. And, like, I remember where I was when Donald won the Rose Bowl. And just watch, watching that comeback when Penn State ended up pulling ahead in the third quarter. And then he threw that, that ball over the middle to Deontay Burnett. Like, it's just the fact that I now have the opportunity to go do that and be in those situations and play in those games is still surreal to me. Like, I can't fully comprehend it. It happened to be a great, what I feel is a great decision for me, regardless of any of those factors. I feel like it's, I want, I love the city of Los Angeles. What, in my opinion, the greatest city in the world. Um, I want to live here when I grow up. I want to build my network in LA. So there were a lot of things that went into making USC the right decision for me outside of that fact. So obviously there's an emotional connection, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to throw it out the window and make the best decision for you. And I think that USC, regardless of any exterior motives or anything like that, was the best thing for me at the end of the day. Great answer. I, I got to ask, what was your, your family's reaction? I'm, I'm sure they're happy you're staying close to home, but kind of take me through the moment when you told them, and I'm sure they were part of the, the conversation leading to that moment, but what was their reaction? Definitely, no. I mean, it was 100% emotional moment in my house and my family, even my my 14-year-old sister got a little bit emotional. <laughs> um, just because they know how how kind of hard I've worked to get to where I am, and that's not to say that I'm done at all. I think this is commitment is just is not the end of any it's not the end of anything, but it's the beginning of another kind of set of work. Um, but it was a, it was an emotional time. It was a really really special time. Um, yeah, I mean they're obviously excited that they'll be getting to come the 45 minutes down the 405 to, to the Coliseum. So I'm happy that they can get, get to see me play every Saturday, hopefully. And it's just like, it was a special time for my family, like I said, and I couldn't be more happy. 
Well, I've got to get into the question that everyone has, and it's a question you've answered throughout this process, and you've answered it very well. And, and you said that you know, even though Jake Garcia committed early, that wasn't going to prohibit you from making the decision you felt was best for you, and you followed through on that. It's, it's very rare, though, for a, a program to get two top ten national quarterbacks in the same class. Ultimately, how much did you have to, to think more about that before you made the final decision and, and kind of reach a, p- a place of peace and comfort with it? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, it wasn't a huge player in my decision. I didn't. I never looked at USC with an asterisk, like, oh, they already have a quarterback committed, so to speak. Like I said, I mean, playing the quarterback position, I think it's one of the most competitive, one of the most unique, and one of the hardest position in all positions in all of sports. And if you don't have that mentality, you're going to have to see everyone at some point, whether it's in high school, whether it's at the Elite 11, whether it's competing in college, whether it's going to the draft process and beyond that. So you're going to have to compete with anyone with anyone and everyone, no matter, just depending on what time in your life, where, what, where you are in your timeline of your quarterback journey, so to speak. So um, I have full confidence in myself and my abilities, and I'm excited to go in there and compete. I think competing brings the best out of me and makes me the best possible quarterback that I've been. I think I've learned that through working out. I mean, like I said, just even this morning working out with with Bryce Young, that's made me a better quarterback because I've been able to pull things from his game and work with him, and I hope he's done the same with me. You know what I mean? So there's no doubt in my mind that I've made the right decision regardless of kind of what situation I'm walking into. That's that's consistent with what you said this whole process, and and it's a great perspective. You've also said before that, that you and, and Jake Garcia know each other well. You've, you grew up on the same circuit. You've been around each other for so long. Did you all have any conversations between the two of you before you did this? Not that you needed to, but I'm just curious if you did. Yeah, no, I mean, me and Jake have been friends for a while. We played on the, the same premium team our freshman year together. Um, and we knew that. We knew each other in eighth grade, just working with Coach Danny and stuff like that. So I have a ton of respect for Jake and the person he is and the player he is. We didn't. I, I didn't talk to him prior to this decision but I mean nothing but respect to him and his his game and stuff like that and I'm excited to go get to work with him how attractive was the depth chart overall right now USC has two scholarship quarterbacks Keaton Slovis of course the starter Matt Fink's a redshirt senior he'll be gone before you get there there's a big opportunity there whoever you're competing with there's a big opportunity there how attractive was the overall depth chart absolutely I mean I think it's a great situation to go into in my class um Obviously, Keaton's a guy who came in and had a ton of success, um, but also had to really work for that success. So I'm really looking forward to being able to kind of pick his brain and work from, work with him and learn from him, kind of with what he's gone through. Obviously, he came in behind one of the most highly touted high school quarterbacks ever, probably. And he came in and kind of kind of really, really grinded. And kind of from what I've heard from Coach Heldon, didn't, had no, absolutely no fear in competition. Um, so I, that's someone that I'm really looking forward to learn from. And also someone that I really want to compete with. You know, I mean, selfishly, you, I walk out on the field and think I'm the best quarterback there. And I just think that's the that's the attitude you have to have playing this position, regardless of who's out there. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an attractive situation for me. I know Keaton's a great quarterback, and I know that USC will always have great quarterbacks, but I feel like I can go in there and have a ton of success. Well, just to tie a bow on, on this part of the conversation, going back to Jake, you say it wasn't really a factor for you. I wonder if he hadn't committed early, would that not have – open the door for you to make an earlier decision and then on the same note with JT Daniels now formally transferring out was that a factor in in getting you over the hump to saying okay now's the right time right yeah um 
No, I don't think so. I think I really, I really was diligent and made sure that I was comfortable uh, with my decision. And I don't think I would have changed my process for anything. I mean, the recruitment process brought a ton of things. I made relationships from here to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to Cambridge, to <laughs> Ann Arbor, Michigan. Like, it was just, it was a really interesting process for me and one that I'm happy to be done with, but also super grateful for. So I'm really happy that I went through the process in the way that I did. And I don't think anyone else's decisions would have altered that. Um, in terms of JT, I kind of grew up training with JT. So um, obviously I'm sad to see him go. Him leaving didn't affect my decision whatsoever. I think it would have been a really unique opportunity to learn under JT. I have a ton of respect for him and how he he approaches the game mentally. I think he's really, really special in that regard. But I wish him nothing but the best. Obviously, I mean, I've known him for a long time, so I wish him nothing but the best, and I think he's going to do really, really well down in Georgia. Good stuff. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to this, but there's been some questions or rumors that you you considered maybe reclassifying. Was there anything to that, or is there anything to that? No, I mean, that was an unfortunate misinterpretation in a headline. I'm a 2021 quarterback, and I will be a 2021 quarterback when I sign in December. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to get to your game a little bit, but I want to go backwards in the past and let people kind of understand your origin story. When did you know that this was the – the track you were going to be on that you wanted to be a college quarterback and take on all the work it takes to get to this point when did that decision really kind of crystallize for you that this was what you wanted to do yeah I mean I never looked at it as if I wanted to be a college quarterback I never looked at it as if I wanted to be a high school varsity starting quarterback I always looked at it as football is what I love to do and I want to play football in the NFL so I saw high school I saw I mean even youth ball I saw youth ball to high school to college now as a means to get to my ultimate goal being the NFL. Um, so I, I don't think it was ever a decision where I wanted to be a college quarterback. I mean, I, I couldn't be happier going, I couldn't be happier to be going to SC and I want to make the most out of the opportunity and really, really take in the special experience that I know it will be. But I also see it as a means to get to my ultimate goal being the NFL. In terms of timeline, I started playing quarterback, I think when I was five years old, I was just playing for my dad at the, the YMCA, but I mean, like, I played quarterback, I played receiver, I played safety, I played corner, um, but my first, I want to say my first season, the third game of my tackle football career, I think I was nine years old, I was returning a punt, I broke my wrist, and my mom was like, no more defense, <laughs> um, so I ended up, I always loved quarterback, I always knew I was going to be quarterback, so I was like, all right, fine, I don't really like defense anyways, I'm just going to focus on quarterback, and that's what I'm going to do, it's what I love to do anyways, so... I would say at the at the age of five, I knew I really wanted to play football. So I always had a huge love for the game. I obviously grew up playing every sport. I played basketball really, really seriously. Um, I played baseball. I played soccer. But I always knew quarterback was where my heart was, and I think that goes back to being five when I played for my dad at the at the park, and he would draw plays in the dirt in the huddle, and we'd just throw it deep every play and run up the score in the, <laughs> in the YMCA. So. It's always been just something that I loved and that I took a lot of joy from. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people do different. A lot of people meditate, go on walks to kind of get away from whatever they're they're struggling with and stuff like that. Like, if I'm struggling with something, I'll text, I'll text my guys at like three QB and be like, "What time tomorrow?" That's just like it's always been something that's been so. Like, it's always just been like my thing because everyone has their thing, and this is really, really what I love to do, and I'm going to do it as long as I as long as I possibly can. You mentioned your dad a few times. Uh, who, who else were some of the early mentors or 
people who helped you along this path and got you to the point of being the player you are today? Definitely, yeah. So my dad was my first coach. Um, Steve Clarkson was huge for me. He really exposed me to the football world, I would say, at a very, very young age. When I was, I would say, seven years old, we ended up doing articles together just because I was so young working with a guy with the reputation of Steve. Different people thought that was a news story or whatever. I didn't fully understand what was happening at that point. I was like, okay, I'm going to go work out with Steve. We're going to go throw the ball. Just because I thought... People thought what I could do at that age was abnormal, but to me it was regular. So I didn't fully understand what was happening. So Steve was huge for me. He was huge in my development early on. Then obviously Coach Danny in high school and um, 3QB uh, down in Huntington Beach has been absolutely huge for me. I think they're the best in the business in terms of what they do. They don't market themselves. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not their top priority client. I mean, Drew Brees, Tom Brady is their top priority, but they've been huge for me just working with me over the past four years during my high school career. And I've built really, really strong relationships with all those guys, and I can't thank them enough. Um, obviously, the Clawson family was huge for me, not so much in my development as in terms of throwing the football, but in terms of mental development and learning what it takes to, to play quarterback at a high level. Just because they both played quarterback in SEC, and their brother played quarterback in Notre Dame, so they know kind of the mental makeup that you need to have to, to play quarterback at that level. And then I would just say the rest of my family, they've been a huge support system for me. I mean, like you look at this, now you look at the decision and it looks great, but there was a lot of hard stuff that went into this. Like it wasn't always wasn't always easy. It wasn't always thousands of Twitter followers and articles and write-ups and stuff like that. There were a lot of times when, I mean, you get down footballs, that's the that's the nature of football. There's You have bad games, you throw interceptions or stuff like that. And my family and my kind of inner circle and support system has been 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 with me and stuck by me and supported me through all of that. So I would say definitely them, and I can't thank them enough. That leads right into my next question. Was there a moment where you really felt you had, and this is probably not the way you want me to phrase it, but arrived where, where you knew that you were going to get this national recruiting attention, that you were going to have this opportunity to, to take your pick of, of major programs. What was the opportunity when you realized that you were on that level? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because my freshman year, the spring of my freshman year, Jake and Tyler both ended up getting recruited pretty heavily. And so me, Jake, and Tyler always worked together. We always kind of thought as he, thought of each other as the, the top kids in California. Um and their recruitment process started earlier, and we would work out together. And I would, I would say to myself, just like I know I can play with these guys. Like I had an offer from San Jose State and like Yale or something like that, but these guys have Georgia and Michigan or whatever it yeah. is, and I'm throwing with these guys. And I'm like, but I'm saying to myself, I know, I know I can play with these guys. Like there's no doubt in my mind that I'm on the level with these guys. So I think for me, I always knew and had confidence in the player that I was. That ended up being recognized by other people. I would say when I got my, my first really big offer was LSU um, January of my sophomore year. So that's when it really started to be recognized. And then, I, I, you know, how it goes once you get LSU, then you get Auburn and Michigan and all that. Just like, well, they, they start rolling in like yeah. that. But I always, there was never a doubt in my mind that I could play at that level just because I knew, I knew what I was willing to put it in to get there and I also knew I also had confidence in the ability in the ability that I have and how I stacked up against other guys that were doing the same thing so I think 
I mean, to answer your question, I think I, I always had that confidence in myself, whether it was recognized by exterior sources or not. Well, that makes uh, me think about the USC offer coming in a little bit later. Before it came in, was that one you were waiting for and hoping for and saying, I wonder when they're going to offer, when are they going to offer? Was that like a constant thought in your mind through the process? I mean, I, would say, I think I got Alabama like a couple weeks before I ended up getting USC. Okay. Um, and you know, they had kind of been straight up with me. They wanted me, I mean, they wanted to see me live, and I understood that they – it was after spring practice, so they could come out to Alameda. So they wanted to kind of see me live, see how I work, see how I adapted. Just because the way they do their camp is pretty unique, where they give you they give you like an install and then they run it like a USC practice. So um, in terms of the process with SC, I they were pretty upfront with me throughout all of it, and then I ended up picking up the offer and they recruited me from there. So so yeah, I had no kind of issue with the, their timeline and how it went down with the, with the offer. Well, going back to you as a player, is is there? And I know every every quarterback, every player wants to be their their own guy and and not really be a replica of somebody. But is there any one player that you kind of modeled yourself off of early, or that, that you tried to emulate in any way? Um, I mean, I would say that I try to take different pieces from different quarterbacks' games. I don't think I look at any one quarterback and say I want to be like him. I think Tom Brady was always my idol growing up. Um. I just like watching the passion he plays with and the way he attacks the game um, mentally and the way he, he kind of is with his guys and the leader he is is something that I really take after. But in terms of playing the quarterback position, I don't I don't feel like I, I emulate his game. I feel like I, I try to take different I, – I really like the way Aaron Rodgers plays. I really love how Drew Brees plays in different ways. I think the way Aaron Rodgers can kind of make plays and manipulate the pocket and throw from different arm slots and stuff like that is really, really special. And that's something that I try to take. In terms of Breeze, his accuracy and his timing and stuff like that has always been something that's jumped out to me. So I think the way to answer that is I just try to pull different things from different quarterbacks and try to apply them to my game. Well, building off that, uh, I want to ask you first what you feel is the strongest part of your game right now, and then what's the area that you know you have to work on to get ready for college? Right. I mean, I think – I never like saying what the strongest part of my game is because I feel like that's what that's like other people should say that about me. I shouldn't say that about myself. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass really, on that. Okay. <laughs> but I, I really think that, that my ability to understand the game of football um, gives me kind of a leg up sometimes or a lot of the time just because I feel like um, I feel like as you get further and further into the game of football, understanding becomes understanding and kind of knowing what what is around you rather than reacting to what you see gives you longevity in the game of football. And I think that's something that I have. And obviously all the physical tools, accuracy, arm strength, that kind of stuff um, is necessary. But I do really think mental makeup is what gives you longevity in this game. Um, In terms of what I need to work on, I think the correct answer is everything. I think I'm always trying to improve my game in all aspects. Obviously, people have classified me as a pro-style quarterback, so I'm always trying to get more athletic, faster, and stuff like that. But I do think that like, I have every confidence that I can make a play when I need to athletically. And I think I've kind of proved that throughout my high school career. So, I mean, I think the correct answer is just everything. I'm always trying to get more accurate, understand more, um, improve my arm strength, improve my speed, improve my athleticism. Very good. Well, uh- 
I'm going to ask you two last questions. You've been very generous with your time. We appreciate it. Now that now that you've made the commitment, I, I know you really wanted to take those visits, and you weren't able to. You wanted to see LSU get out there. Do you still plan to take any other visits after this commitment, or is it totally shut down? I do not. I mean, I'm going to take my USC official visit, and then I'm going to be done with visiting campuses, <laughs> and I'm just ready to get it, get to USC. Very good. And then the last question you hinted at earlier, USC has some commits in this class who have become very aggressive recruiters already. Brandon Campbell, especially the running back from Texas. You mentioned kind of working as a recruiter moving forward. How are you going to approach that and, and to kind of help build this class up around you? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I've already kind of started talking with, with the offensive staff and Coach Orlando because a lot of defensive targets are guys that I grew up playing with. Um, so I'm going to be really aggressive. I think that we have a chance, like I said, we have a chance to have a top three class in the country, and I really, really want that to come to fruition. I mean, obviously, there's some huge targets in Southern California that I know pretty well. I mean, starting with number one player in the nation. So um, those, will definitely, those will definitely be guys that I'll, I'll be recruiting heavily and be bugging, bugging the crap out of until, until they tell me yes. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to being a really, really aggressive in terms of recruitment. Awesome. Well, hey, Miller, again, congrats. I know the USC fans are thrilled. I know it's a huge day for you. Enjoy it, and thank you for your time. Definitely. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, much thanks to Miller Moss for taking the time on his big day to go really in-depth on his decision and this whole recruiting process and how he got to this point. I want to give you more perspective on this matter, though, is it's, it is huge news for USC, and we're going to bring in Rivals West Coast recruiting analyst Adam Gorney to the show. Adam, how are you? Great, Ryan. How are you? Good. I just want to start here. It's not common that a program lands two top ten national quarterbacks in the same class. How surprised are you that USC managed to get Miller Moss on board after already having fellow four-star Jake Garcia as an early commit? Yeah, it seemed like for a while that Garcia was going to be the quarterback in this class, and kind of after his commitment, everyone else was going to look elsewhere, but that really wasn't the case. Um, I remember even before things shut down, uh, I talked to Miller Moss at a 7-on-7, and he he seemed to be, you know, very serious about USC, Um, not just talking up a good game, but, you know, on the field stuff, obviously, but also off the field later on in life all the networking and connection stuff that he can do later on. And so, you know, even then I sort of wasn't sold. I thought Cal had a a decent shot at him. And then, you know, his top four comes out of USC, UCLA, Alabama, LSU. I don't see him at Alabama kind of sitting behind Bryce Young for at least two years. UCLA would be a stretch at this point. He had never visited LSU. So it started to shape up that USC was the school for him. It's a very interesting pick, just in the sense that it seems, on paper anyway, that Jake Garcia has the slightest edge going into that competition. Uh, But Miller Moss is a very, very good quarterback, very smart, uh, very capable kid. So it's a really interesting selection for him to do this. Well, and it was necessary for USC to get get two impact guys because they only have two scholarship quarterbacks right now, and they're going to lose one of those, Matt Fink after this year so it's really just going to be Keaton Slovis coming back and then whatever they bring in so it was necessary but again still a hard task to pull off recruiting wise is there a good comp or example you can think of of a program recently landing two guys the caliber of Miller Moss and Jake Garcia 
Yeah, well, I'd say it, it's actually USC. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Cody Kessler, Max Wittick situation in the same recruiting class, um, where where you thought, you know, after the first one committed, that there was no way that they would get a second quarterback in the class, but but that's exactly what happened. I think that's an interesting comparison. I'm trying to think of others. You know, Georgia is one where they had three five stars back to back to back in separate recruiting classes. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, even even after Jacob Eason, um, you know, committed, Jake Fromm had been committed to Alabama and then flipped to Georgia. So it wasn't like he was all that scared of that competition. And then, you know, with Fromm as kind of the established starter, Justin Fields decommitted from Penn State and went to Georgia. Um, you know, Georgia maybe, you know, arguably mishandled that situation. And you had three five-star quarterbacks and, and now you had just had one with Jake Fromm and, and then, you know, obviously they had JT Daniels just yeah. just transfer there. And then they have Brock Vandegrift as a five-star quarterback in the 2021 class. So they're almost like five of the last six recruiting classes having a five-star in there. But in terms of a guy like Jake Garcia, who has been a long-time commit, really established himself as, you know, the USC quarterback in this class, and then Miller Moss, you know, six, eight months later to commit, to USC, it's definitely a big recruiting win for USC. You could only really play one of them. You know, sometimes the saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. But I like both of these guys, and, and I'm definitely not writing off Miller Moss to win that starting job down the road. Well, that was my next question. I was going to ask you, how do you see this playing out uh, in future years? It's certainly going to be interesting, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know <laughs> – Making predictions on how quarterbacks are gonna are gonna play out over the last few years, um, you know, no one could have predicted that, you know, Oklahoma was gonna have back to back Heisman Trophy winner transfer quarterbacks, then number one picks, then Alabama's starting quarterback would transfer to Oklahoma and lead them back to the college football playoff, and Joe Burrow was gonna transfer from Ohio State to LSU, and who knows what's in the cards for JT Daniels, who's a very, very talented quarterback now at Georgia. So predicting down the road what's gonna happen, who knows? I know Jake Garcia is very, very talented. I know Miller Moss is very, very talented. I think both fit the system that Graham Harrell wants to run really well. I'd give the slightest of edges, um, as we have in the rankings, uh, to Jake Garcia. Just you know the the way he throws the football, it pops off of his hand. You know, I, I'd say he and Caleb Williams have that going for them, the best in this class. Um, just really smooth-looking quarterbacks who can really make all the plays that you want. Um, but in terms of intelligence, you know, on-field presence, making the right decision, not always making the highlight play, but making a play to move the ball down the field and get first downs and not make mistakes and turnovers. You know, there aren't many better than Miller Moss in this class either. Well, again, that was my next question is what you see as Miller Moss's greatest strengths. Is there anything more you could elaborate on with those? Yeah, I mean, he plays for Casey Clawson in high school, so that's obviously a benefit. He's getting taught by a guy who, you know, played at Tennessee, played SEC football, is, you know, well-versed at the position. He's Jimmy Clawson's brother. Rick Clawson is involved. Everybody's really involved in that, and so he's he's being taught at the at really one of the highest levels that you can be taught. And the best thing about Miller Moss is that he's smart and he absorbs it, and he's really he, you know he has confidence in his game, but not cockiness in his game. And so he's just a kid who's going to be 
in the playbook. He's going to be, you know, kind of a gym rat kind of kid in terms of understanding what they want out of the position. You know, where Jake Garcia is can do that as well, but he relies much more on like his athletic, pure athletic ability sometimes. So I think Miller Moss has a little bit of an edge there. In a way, um, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of Josh Rosen in the sense that he's going to be smarter than a lot of people on the football field and that that part of him is going to allow him to, to excel. So by no means right now am I predicting him as a first-round draft pick and, uh, you know, setting records like Josh Rosen did in his first few years at UCLA. But he's certainly a very capable quarterback who's very smart, who takes to coaching, who listens to it, and then applies it on the field. If you were going to say the one area that you think he has to get better at if he is going to win that job at USC, what's that one area? Yeah, I would say he has to develop physically. He's just not a kid who's you know jacked up muscular. He's not a kid who um, you know is going to run around the pocket and really create that way. So he's going to be kind of sitting back there a little bit more and throwing it all over the field. I think arm strength is fine. I thought his arm strength at our rivals camp in the spring was not what I had seen previously. So I don't know if he had been throwing a lot or if it was just sort of an off day. He wasn't, you know, outstanding at that event where I've seen him be very, very good at at other events, and especially during his junior season. There's no question he could zip the ball all around the field. But I think just developing physically, filling out more, getting more muscular, getting in the weight room a little bit more is only going to help him kind of deal with the Kayvon Thibodeaux of the world and the Utah defensive linemen coming into the backfield. And they're going to get their shots on him. I mean, USC's issue for years now, you know, Sam Darnold basically lived on his back at USC. Keaton Slovis took some shots last year that, you know, maybe some were his fault for holding on to the ball too long. Some were definitely the offensive lineman's fault. But as a quarterback at USC, you're not going to be standing upright like like in years past until they fix that offensive line over years and and be more consistent so i think just developing physically is going to be an important thing for his game well lastly on this i don't want to belabor a question that i've asked you on several previous podcasts but it kind of keeps building upon itself what does this say to you about what usc is doing in this class that they were able to pull this off and that every time we talk it just it keeps continuing and the momentum keeps building yeah, no, there's no doubt it's definitely impressive. I think a lot of things are going into it. I think the bringing in the new assistants is huge. Todd Orlando, Dante Williams, all those guys is definitely important. Keeping Graham Harrell is massive. I think anybody on the offensive side is super excited that he's going to be there. We will see if it's over the long haul. You would think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in the in the coming years. Um, to move on to even possibly head coaching jobs. Um, But him turning down NFL jobs and other lucrative jobs to stay at USC is definitely big. There's just a re-energization of this class. I thought 2020, in large part, and probably to USC's downfall, was just really missed. I mean, Bryce Young decommitted. They really didn't go after DJ. Flo really never felt it from USC. Keely Ringo really didn't look at them. Bijan Robinson was kind of in there, but really was Texas and Ohio State. So a lot of those like highest end guys, they weren't really even going after all that much. Um, so that was that was definitely a miss. But in 2021, they've been really aggressive at the top. Um, they're going after a lot of those guys. They're getting them on campus. They're making them feel good. 
But I also think there's like a national story here that's happening too, especially with the uh, travel ban in place, is that kids are kind of leaning on the familiar because they can't take visits anywhere. So coaches, you know, Ed Orgeron can't come and visit Miller Moss and, you know, a virtual tour is valuable. A FaceTime call is valuable, but it's not like him being in Baton Rouge in the stadium and they have the, the lights on and that all, and all that stuff. So that plays to the benefit of USC in a huge way because Miller Moss knows USC really, really well. All these kids know the program. USC was lucky enough to have a lot of these kids from out of state, visit earlier in the spring or, or over you know the last few months um, and so I think that's benefiting USC in a big way that Southern California kids who generally you know have gone to you know Clemson or Alabama or Georgia or Florida State or wherever else haven't been able to take a lot of those visits that means they stay home and that's good for USC. Well as I've already done once this podcast I'd like to lean on your perspective historically and is there anything that comes to mind of a program going from last to first, so to speak, as, as USC might do here in terms of the Pac-12 recruiting rankings? The Trojans were number 65 in our rivals rankings last year. They've been in and out of the top five this year. This is obviously going to boost them up. Is there an example you can think of of a, of a one-year turnaround like this? Yeah, really? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think through the programs that were – you know, historically at the top of the recruiting rankings. And I think USC, you know, uh, of the 20-some years that Rivals has been doing recruiting rankings, like 16, 17, 18 of them, USC has been toward the top, um, if not the number one team in the Pac-12. And for them to have the, the last recruiting class in the in the, uh, in the thing. So, and for people that don't understand how that works, it's, it's really just a computer-generated uh, algorithm based off of the commits in the class. So it's not like I go through each class and go, yeah, Oregon's class is better than USC's or Utah's is better. It really is whoever's committed, their ranking, all of that goes into the formula and then it, the computer spits out how those rankings finish up. So um, I really can't. I mean, you, you look at the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas are always at the top. They're never, never down. Alabama, you know, even in the uh, before the Saban years, they were at least a middling team in the SEC. LSU always toward the top because they recruit so well in state. Clemson, you know, for years Miami and Florida State had had the edge on them, but they were still three, four, five in in that division. The Big Ten, you know, Penn State, even in those bad years, um, following Paterno into O'Brien and then Franklin, they were still in the middle of the pack. Um, all those years recruiting, and of course Michigan and Ohio State right near the top. So there really isn't sort of an example of this happening where, where it's almost like they took a year off. It, yeah. it was strange yeah. because you know 2019 they had a, an, an excellent class, 2018 great class, 2020 it just never materialized, which is strange because it might have been the best recruiting class in state in rivals history. You know, dating back 20 some years. So it's really just an a very you know interesting thing strange how it worked out i think helton's job status certainly had a lot to play with that and so yeah it's just it's just been a very it was just a very strange recruiting year for them because they never ever really got traction with anybody it was a really interesting gamble by the usc administration banking that clay helton still had enough juice with recruits that they could just build up around him and project stability and, and bring in a new defensive staff that it could get back on track. 
and I think a lot of fans would have really doubted that was possible, and it has. So it's it's interesting. It, it, it is interesting because when you bring in a new AD, that usually means coach is gone. I mean that that just is part is part of that kind of scenario. You know, a new AD comes in. It's not a guy that he hired. Obviously, Clay Hilton was on the hot seat throughout last year, but but it just didn't happen. So they gave him more of an opportunity. Um, he he changed a lot of his staff and has re-energized recruiting in a big way. It's it's a it's a major thing for Dante Williams to leave. Really, a very secure job at Oregon. Um, Mario Cristobal's recruiting is as good as any coach in the country. He's getting all these kids from Southern California to come back to USC not to come back, but to come back to Los Angeles and coach at USC is definitely a big statement about maybe where, you know, things could be headed here. And then, you know, getting those guys from LSU and, and all those kinds of things. And, and then, you know, Todd Orlando and Craig, uh, the defensive backs coach. So it's, it's, it's huge in a lot of ways um, to, to build momentum into a, into a much better recruiting class. Well, speaking of momentum, uh, this will not be the, only news of the week so usc fans stay tuned for more on the recruiting front the rest of the week but before i let you go i've got to ask you about jt daniels it was a interesting debate on the message board after he announced his transfer to georgia and i think some people are still surprised that that's he's ending up at that kind of program i'm not i've been a consistent believer in his potential and upside even through that tough 2018 season what was your reaction to where he ended up and the fact that he's going to a place that has a guy this year and Jamie Newman, and we're not even sure if JT will be able to get a waiver for this year, so that could be moot, but then has Brock Vandegrift coming in next year as a five-star guy. What was your reaction to the, the place he chose and, and what he's walking into? It was a little bit of an interesting selection in that sense. Um, if he can't play this year, um, you know, it's kind of a moot situation in that sense uh, that he wouldn't, uh, have to beat out Jamie Newman for the starting job. If he can play this year, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Kirby has shown himself to be someone who does not hesitate switching starting quarterbacks, even no matter what he's promised or how highly ranked they are. So Jacob Eason was injured. He lost his job to Jake Fromm. Eason transferred. You know, Justin Fields came in with a lot of promises about how he would be used at Georgia really wasn't used all that much in favor of Jake Fromm, and he left. So it's, uh, for, for Daniels, it's an interesting situation because if he, doesn't, if he can't play or doesn't win the starting job this year, that's fine as he gets back to 100%. That means going into the following year, he's going to have to beat out a local kid who's a five-star prospect who basically decommitted from Oklahoma to go to Georgia. And that's not exactly just walking into a starting situation. I mean, that's a very difficult situation that he's going to have to win. I've seen JT Daniels, and I've seen Brock Vandegriff, and Vandegriff is by far more impressive physically. Um, But in terms of making plays and being a playmaker and being an outstanding quarterback, I would give the edge to JT Daniels. I think he can go anywhere. I think it would have been easier for him to go to Michigan and win the starting job there. Um, but Shea Patterson did that and really didn't help his car- his career no, at all. Um, I think Tennessee was going to be an interesting situation, but are the playmakers there to allow him to really maximize his abilities? I thought LSU was going to be more involved in this in the sense that 
you know, Joe Burrow never really caught on at Ohio State, went there and, you know, was the, became the number one pick and had maybe the best year of a quarterback ever in college football history. So I thought LSU was going to be a little bit more involved, guaranteed to be surrounded by playmakers. Georgia's an interesting pick, but the competition there is not to be taken lightly. So it, it will be interesting how this plays out over the next few years. I hope it plays out well for him because the kid is not a scrub. He's not bad at all. He went through a freshman season just thrown to the Wolves and kind of came out okay with it and then was just starting his sophomore year and went down with the injury. So, you know, he he absolutely has the ability to be a superstar quarterback at the college level and beyond. Hopefully he picked a spot where he'll be able to get on the field and do that. Well, let me have you answer this because I've combated this on the message board a bunch because, again, I do believe in his potential and – the offense was a mess in 2018, and I don't put all that on him. And there were so many games where he was lights out in the first half, and then everything crumbled for the whole offense thereafter. Uh, you had T. Martin being stripped of play calling halfway through that season. It was a mess. I thought if he had played last year under Graham Harrell, he would have really shown what he could do. I have fans ask me all the time, what is it that, that you see in his game that makes you convinced he's going to be a star or, or can be a star? Let me ask you that question. I, I've answered it many times, but... What is the quality about him that convinces you he can still be that guy that he was projected to be? Yeah, before Bryce Young at modern day, JT Daniels was the first quarterback to call the offense, call every play, and have the ability to check at the line of scrimmage without even looking at his coaches to do it. So when we're talking about really smart, capable quarterbacks with a big-time arm and Every throw in high school, almost every single throw was dead on the money to Amon Ra or Brew or whoever else he was throwing the ball to. Almost never made a mistake. And then was surprisingly sort of athletic for um, for the position. Not a guy that's going to really, you know, you're not going to have wildcat for him and you're not going to do those kinds of things. But he can get out and run and make things happen. Um, he was phenomenal in high school. I thought Josh Rosen was the best high school quarterback I had seen. I thought JT Daniels was was better than him in high school. He won more big games. He was just so smooth. The offense ran so well under him. And I would have loved to have seen him in Graham Harrell's offense. What what people remember is is him as a freshman with, you know, let's say bad to average play calling, um, a bad offensive line, and a freshman quarterback. So he graduated early. He got there early. Like, everything was there, you know, for him to really kind of learn on the run and not come in and look like, you know, he wasn't going to look like Baker Mayfield from day one. But he is a very talented kid who's very determined, wants to win, wants to be very good. And I, I just have a sense that this is not going to be um, a situation where he just kind of fizzles away and we never hear from him again. Well, the last question on this, we got to get you out of here, but this is another big talking point that emanated after his announcement Friday was a lot of people bringing up the the tire, oh, he's afraid to compete, which is ironic because he's going to a place where he's going to have to compete against really great competition. But I want to focus it more on, I totally understand why he would leave USC at this point. And yes, Clay Helton and the coaching staff paid lip service to, oh, there's going to be a competition, you know, we're going to let JT come back and compete. But 
uh, the point I've made is there's nothing he could realistically do in August to create so much separation that the staff would forget what Keaton Slovis did all last fall. I just didn't see any viable path to him getting on the field aside from injury. What do you feel about, about his decision to walk away from USC at this time and, and make that decision that he had to go somewhere else? Yeah, and, and this is sort of pure speculation, but I'm sure that JT and his dad, Steve, were, were basically told this is Keaton Slovis' job to lose. You're more than welcome to stay and compete, and it's absolutely no guarantee that Slovis won't be injured. I mean, he's dealt with injuries already, but they're not going to take him off the field after the season he had last year unless he's injured. And so it's sort of a situation where it just doesn't even make sense to stay. So I am not a guy that wants to see everybody transfer if they don't get the starting job. But I'm also a guy who's realistic and says, you know, the last two number one, the last three number one picks in a row are transfer quarterbacks. Yeah. So this idea that if you transfer, um, you're afraid to compete or you're um, missing out on a big opportunity, I really don't buy it. And so, you know, the best one of the best quarterbacks in college football next year will be Justin Fields again, a kid who transferred. Jalen Hurts lost his job to Tua. He went to Oklahoma and thrived there. So, you know, I just don't buy into that idea that if you transfer, you're afraid to compete. I think he was realistically looking at this situation and saying, Keaton Slovis is going to be the starter unless he completely tanks in the preseason, which is unlikely. I would have to beat him out for my old starting job, and there are just better opportunities out there for me. I don't know if that's Georgia. Um, that's not exactly has not exactly been an offense that's putting up huge numbers and really, you know, making quarterbacks look great. I mean, Jake Fromm came into last season as maybe one of the top quarterbacks in college football and a potential first-round draft pick. He put up decent numbers, but yeah. it was not exactly an offense that really, you know, emphasized his, his strengths. So it'll be interesting to see if Georgia's the right place, but there's no question that JT Daniels is a very, very talented quarterback. I, I just, Like you said, I don't think there was any path for him to get on the field aside from injury. I think he made the right call. I was surprised by Georgia. I'm not surprised that he chose that caliber of program. I think that's the stage he believes he should be on, but we'll see how it plays out. Adam, thank you for your time, as always. Great perspective. Well, of course. Thanks, Ryan. All right. That was a fun show. Really thank Miller Moss for giving us all that time to truly break down his recruitment and his decision from all angles. And thanks, as always, to Adam Gorney, who always brings great perspective and insight to our program. That was this edition of the Trojan Talk podcast. I am Ryan Young, as always. And we'll be back with you next week with more interesting guests and probably, again, more recruiting good news to uh, to break down and talk about. So stay tuned the rest of the week. If you're not on Trojansports.com, join us. We're laying out some insight as to what to expect the rest of this week. There's some more news coming. And if you're not part of our community, now's a good time to, to be a part of it and see all of our coverage from today about Miller Moss's decision and some of the buzz about what's coming the rest of the week and really all of our great exclusive coverage. So join us at Trojansports.com, and thank you for listening to the Trojan Talk podcast.